we are online. For those watching, I want to thank those who have been watching um, either live or watching later. Um, thank you for being part of this uh, conference online. It's been a blessing to be able to have that live stream available to you. And uh, for those of you who are still remaining, thank you for stay, sticking around uh, for a while. We're glad to be able to have you here for our last session, which again, my wife dealing a lot more with the nuts and bolts of these kind of things, how to do what to do in a classroom. Uh, myself dealing more with the philosophy, the overarching, why are we doing what we're doing? And so one of the things that we have noticed that has been even in our ministry, a blind spot when it comes to special needs ministry is that special needs ministry isn't just about special needs children. And, you know, we've already been talking about this today and what an important thing that that is to realize that there are special needs people at every age bracket in our churches and that it's not just about reaching special needs children. Now, the reason that's really upfront in our minds is because when you're sitting or standing across from them in a junior church, in a Sunday school, that's forefront in the mind. However, there are people who are in our churches who deal with special needs in every age bracket, and we are to meet all of their needs as best we can. As we talked about last night, which you can catch up later on through uh, what we'll have available through podcast or video, uh, that our philosophy is we want to reach everyone with the gospel, no matter what their physical or cognitive disability is, and we're going to use every tool at our advantage to be able to do so to win them to Christ, to baptize them, and to continue to disciple them to be more like Christ. And that doesn't just mean little children. That means that there are young adults. That means that there uh, are older adults. That means there are senior saints. And these are all people that we need to be able to reach with the gospel one way or the other. So on our last session called Special Needs Ministry for Every Age, this is how I've started. It says this, ministering to children with special needs is important. After all, we wrote a book about it. Now, we didn't write the book about it, uh, but we did write a book about ministering to children with special needs. And I know that because that's the title. Uh, but we've come to a realization over the past several years, and Diane was really the one that brought this up to me. And it was kind of one of those aha moments. In most circumstances, special needs children grow up to be special needs adults. Now, some disabilities are temporary. They're not lifelong. But listen, a special needs child will very likely become a special needs adult. And so it's not that the fact that this is a really important ministry until they turn 18 and then we're it's not really important anymore it's this is a special or a very important ministry period and we need to increase our purview not just to the children in special needs although they are so very important but that we want to meet them at every age bracket where they are at the first bullet point says this a child who was diagnosed with autism in 2005 is now an adult with special needs so if they were diagnosed with autism in 2005, 18 years ago, they would be an adult now with special needs. And today, according to the CDC, one in 36 children are diagnosed with autism. That is an astounding number, one in 36 children. The next bullet point says we can debate that number. We can debate that number, and we can debate why that number has increased so much over the past 20 years. But here's what's not debatable. These children will become adults someday. Are we prepared to meet their needs? Around the turn of the century, the number for children with autism was one to, I believe it was well over 100, maybe around 110 or 120 children diagnosed with autism. Now, one out of 36, according to the CDC. Now, again, we can debate why that is. It could be because of further diagnostic testing. It could be in some reasons, in some cases, overdiagnosis. 
uh, for different reasons. In fact, we had a neurologist basically tell us that sometimes he gives special needs diagnoses just so people can get government programs and things of that nature. That is out there. But that's not why we're talking about this today. And that's not really for us to debate and really for us to wonder about. Here's what we know. There are children who have special needs who become adults. And we need to make sure that we are meeting their needs no matter what age bracket they're in. But of course, that's just autism. Here's the third point. Overall, there are about 42.5 million Americans with disabilities. Now, that's the overarching number of disabilities. 42.5 million Americans, that makes up 13%. That's your blank, 13% of the civilian non-institutionalized population according to the U.S. Census Bureau data from 2021. That means there is 13% of people who we deal with on a regular basis here in the United States of America who have specialized needs. Uh, what's... Oh, that. Okay, yeah. That's, uh, I'm, I'm, we're trying to be so clever about this and that didn't work. Let's go ahead and turn it off. It's fine. It's, it's not needed at this point. Well, all right. So... Technology, it's great till it doesn't work. Okay, 13%, um, somebody has a, a special need. And it's funny, Brother Dunbar and I were talking about this just a little while ago, and special needs in many ways just means specialized need. It's a specialized need that they have. 13% of people need some sort of accommodation to be able to be in our church, to be able to learn, to be able to grow, whatever it is. And that is every age bracket. This group includes people with hearing, vision, cognitive, walking, self-care, or independent living disabilities. All of these are barriers to people coming to church. All of these can be barriers to someone hearing the gospel, being reached with the Great Commission, being baptized, or being added to the church. Every single one of these are barriers to a certain extent, some more than others, and we need to recognize these so we can reach everyone with the gospel. Special needs ministry is important for every age bracket. Consider these three subsets of special needs individuals. And I want to take just these last few minutes that we're together to consider three different subsets of special needs individuals who need to be able to have reasonable accommodations made for them so that we can reach them and their families for the sake of the gospel. And the first is number one, the most obvious because we've been talking about it for the past two days, ministering to children with special needs. This is a type of ministry many of us are most familiar with. We are aware that there are children in our churches that we need to reach in special needs ministry. It requires that we make adaptations to current children's ministries. Meaning this, almost every church that I know has children's ministries. We don't have to start from scratch. What we do need to do is make adaptations to what we're already doing to be able to reach those young people, whether that is incorporating them in class with assistance, whether it's changing the way you present lessons as we saw a little while ago, or whether it's a breakout group where you're able to take one child and able to help teach that one child on their own, whatever it is. And we already discussed that it's gonna look different depending on the child, depending on the need, depending on the church, depending on the parents, all those things. But in some form or fashion, there is already a mold that's available for you to use, you just need to change it a little bit. It's not that when Diane came up here and was teaching AJ and Peyton, that you say, oh, junior church, we never thought of that. <laughs> oh, Sunday school, that's, what, that, man, that's a great idea. We ought to try that. We're already doing it. So what's nice about this is, okay, the mold has already been created. We just need to kind of bump out the barriers of it and the edges of it a little bit and expand our thinking on what that Sunday school should look like, on what that junior church should 
should look like so we can reach those children. While ministering, letter C, to children with special needs uh, requires the entire church to help create a welcoming environment, this ministry typically utilizes a few key people who have been trained or who are willing to be trained. So while it does take an entire church to create a welcoming environment to special needs children, listen, for the most part, it's falling on your shoulders. That's why you're here. Uh, that's why someone's watching right now. It's because you have been put into this situation to minister to this family, to minister to this child. One, because you have a personal relationship with this family or a personal relationship with this child. Two, because you're just a willing-hearted soul who God has spoken to saying, I would like to use you at this time in this hour for this ministry. Uh, or it could be you weren't volunteered, you were voluntold by your pastor. I don't know. Uh, that's also possible at times. The pastor says, I really want you to pray about this, but in the meantime, until you get an answer, you need to start doing this. So um, that, that maybe not quite that way, but you understand that we, you just realize, I don't know that I have a burden for this, but I see a need in our church. And because I'm just a willing hearted soul, I want to be able to help. And listen, the great thing about special needs ministry is that you don't need to be experienced. You just need to be willing. I was talking to a pastor in Kansas a few weeks ago, and we're going to, Lord willing, be doing a conference, a fit conference for their church uh, in January in Kansas. I'm really looking forward to that. We've never taken this model on the road before, and it's going to be a neat thing for us to be able to do. But I was talking to him, and he says, what I really need is a couple couples, because of the families that he has in his church, a couple couples who are uh, knowledgeable about special needs and who have a uh, willingness to help. And he named all of these things. He says, basically, I'm looking for unicorns. He says, they don't exist. And I said, well, no, they don't exist maybe the way you're looking at it, but they can grow into that role because that's how all of us come to it. I mean, look, we wrote books about special needs. Ten years ago, I didn't even know what autism was. Now you say, boy, why would I want to read your book now after hearing that? No, <laughs> but the idea is, uh, but we learn. We grow. You're in that situation just like, I just want to be willing. I want to be open and I'm going to grow. And to me, that's not discouraging. That's very encouraging that I can be ignorant in this area, but I can open my heart to what the Lord has for me and I can do the research. I can do the effort. And all of a sudden I can be that unicorn, not because I am a special person because of who I am, but that God is equipping me. He's enabling me. One of my favorite verses in First Thessalonians, the end of First Thessalonians, it says, faithful is he who calleth you who also will do it. Meaning this, if he calls you to do something, he will equip you to do, uh, to be able to fulfill that task. Could you imagine God calling you to do special needs ministry and then saying, ha ha, you're on your own now. No Holy Spirit, no, no extra abilities, no anything. You just figure it out. No, God's very benevolent and kind to us. And if he calls us to do something, he will give us exactly what we need to do the work. Letter D, uh, we also have to ensure that we minister to parents as well as the siblings. Just as a reminder, when you are ministering to a special needs child, you are also ministering to the parents. You are also ministering to the siblings, if they have siblings, uh, that you are ministering to the entire family. And listen, we just saw here just a few moments ago uh, a mother that was carrying deep burdens. And to be able to hear her talk about that and to hear her talk about how a church has helped her, man, that, that was emotional for me. And it, like, I, I don't cry. I cry usually once a year. Um, so it's, uh, it's, uh, that's all I have, you know, in, in these tear ducts. That's all I can provide uh, is once a year. But I mean, I'm looking at that. And my heart was stirred by that. And to think, wow, here's someone 
workers who think they're just ministering to the child, but it's obvious you're ministering to the family. I mean, that's, that's a powerful thing. And we can't lose track of that when we minister to children with special needs. But letter E, we've spent a great deal of time talking about this subset in the past two days. So we're going to move on to the other two subsets. I, I, the, the, I'm not going to take much more time to talk about this because we've been constantly talking about this already. And I really want us to open our eyes to these other two subsets. They're all adults, but adults in two different seasons of life. And number two is this, ministering to adults with special needs. Ministering to adults with special needs. Um, I, I'm, I'm glad the church isn't perfect. I, I love having an imperfect church. I get nervous when I go to churches that seem like everything's perfect and nothing's out of place. Like those places make me nervous, quite honestly, because one, I know I'm going to ruin it the minute I walk in. Uh, but two, it's just when things are too perfect, it just seems like, wow, you're hiding your imperfectness. I'd rather just see people as they are and just, I don't want to say struggling, but just being real. Do you know what I mean? I, I like that. And, and, and I have always gravitated as my, just as a person to people who are just real, not the people who have the fake varnish on the outside of everything's great and I just uh, nothing ever goes wrong and you know I just trust the Lord for everything and I'm not mocking that we should trust the Lord for everything but we don't trust the Lord for everything so when we don't let's be honest about it so maybe someone can come alongside and help us and we can be real with one another well here, here's what I see when I look at a church that has adults with special needs it's people who aren't quote unquote perfect but they're perfectly made by God when I say not perfect, I mean not fitting in the societal definition of what perfection is, which by the way, who cares? Like, like, like we're holding people up to what society thinks. Uh, there's about a thousand reasons why that's a bad idea. But I find this to be the case with adults with special needs. And again, you, we may not know about children with certain special needs. We will know even less about adults with special needs because many times they won't, they won't tell us what the special needs is, and that's okay. I've never come up to a person and say, you know what, it occurs to me that you might have some special needs. Would you like to share that with me? Um, that would be kind of strange, you know? And honestly, if somebody ever did that, they might come and talk to me about that. I don't know. That might be the case. Like, what's, sir, do you, do you need some help? But uh, no, uh, here, here's what I have found. These people can be looked at as a burden or high-maintenance if you have the wrong mindset. They can be looked at as a burden or they can be looked at as high maintenance. You know, oh, well, you know, we're all looking for the people that come to church on Sunday morning, suit on, tie on, ladies with the dress on. They got the Bibles, the big family Bible, King James, under their arms. They walk into church, they sit down, uh, the big tithers, they say amen at the right times, they sing out really loud, they go home and never make a problem. Well, like, that's not reality. That's very much not reality. There are some people who may be quote unquote high maintenance, but they're not high maintenance. They have needs. Uh, they might be a, a burden. They might, uh, we're gonna see here actually just uh, the first point underneath. If an adult with special needs has poor people skills, awkward mannerisms, or difficulty managing their emotions, they should not be shunned by the congregation. And by the way, I'm not talking about having like a, 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 a feeling of pity towards these people. Oh, oh I'm sorry. No, asking the Lord to really help you love these people. You know why? Because they're no different than you. They're no different than me. They're not diminished in their intellectual capacity. And by the way, even if they have intellectual disabilities where maybe they can't process things the same way, they have the same value to the Heavenly Father as we all do. And so it's not just, oh, we're, we're kind of nice to her because, you know, she just, 
you know, she just doesn't really have a lot going on. No, no, that's, that, that's, that's patronizing. That's not what we're looking at. We're looking at someone, you know what? You are fearfully and wonderfully made. I, I love you. You know, you're my brother in Christ. You're my sister in Christ. Or maybe I don't know whether you know Christ or not. So I don't want to love you towards Christ. That, that's what I want to do. And these type of people can be awkward. Uh, they can say things that are strange sometimes. And I, I, to be honest with you, I, I could give a hundred examples because uh, I, we all probably could. I don't want to do that other than the, 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 to say these are people that we want to minister to because we want to minister to people. We minister to everybody. And, and these are not people who should frustrate us or anything of that nature. Quite the opposite. But please understand, we are not suggesting that a church allow someone to say or do inappropriate things. Matthew 10, 16 comes to mind, be therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. And I'll use this as an example. We had someone who came here uh, some time ago, which I had the belief that this was someone who had an uh, intellectual disability of some nature. I don't know the nature of it, but it, it seemed very evident to myself and, and to my wife that this was what, what uh, the nature was. Uh, this man, similar to what Diane was talking about during the question and answer time, this man had talked to at least one woman in our church and said some things to her that were very inappropriate. And I mean, very inappropriate. Um, and so this was brought to my attention. I took him to my office the next service and I said, did you say, and I repeated what he said. He said, I, I did say that, Pastor. And I said, well, and I called him by name. I said, you know, we love having you come to church, right? Well, I, I, I do. I said, here's what you need to know. You can't talk like that in this church and you cannot talk like that to any woman that is here. It's not appropriate. And I, I use terms really in many ways like I would talk to a child. It doesn't make God happy when you talk to someone like that. I said, and it makes that other person very uncomfortable and very awkward. I said, so do you understand that I'm telling you, you can't speak like that in church? Uh, I understand, Pastor. I said, okay. I said, I need you to understand that if you do that again, you won't be able to come to this church anymore. And that's heartbreaking as a pastor. But I have a duty, I have an obligation to not just protect that person, that man, but also to protect the ladies in the church, to know that if he walks up to them, that they're not bracing themselves for something that is lewd or inappropriate being said about their body uh, or about anything of that nature uh, sexually or anything like that. We have an obligation to everyone in the room, not just to one person. But the, the key was to not just come over to him and say, what are, you, what are you, stupid? Why would you talk to somebody? Like, look, look, there are people who would respond that way. And maybe in the flesh you would maybe think about that, especially if it was someone that was related to you, that was, that, that was said to. But ask the Lord to help. Wise as a serpent, harmless as a dove. Make sure that they understand. And by the way, if I just let it go, I'm not doing anyone any favors. Because I'm not doing the ladies in the church a favor by ignoring the behavior. I'm not doing him a favor because if he says that out in the world to a woman, uh, she might haul off and jack him in the jaw. And probably no one would say boo about it to him uh, for, for doing that. So we're trying to actually minister to both of them uh, in doing that. But we, I'm not saying that someone should have a, a, a blanket uh, ability to say anything, anytime, no matter what. What I'm saying is this. And there are some people, adults especially, who have special needs that might say things that are a little bit different, they're a little bit out of the norm. 
you know what you do? Smile and respond. And if someone laughs during the prayer request and it doesn't make sense, you know what you do? You move on. It's okay. We don't need to point it out. We don't need to say anything about it. Uh, it's someone who you're just glad they're in church. Thank the Lord that they're there and you want them, to, you want to be a blessing to them and you don't worry about all of those other things. Now these people can come from a variety of situations, letter B. First of all, they could be living in a group home. I know a church, a ministry in uh, Cleveland, Ohio, a Baptist church there that has a home that has uh, those with special needs come every Sunday night for service. They've been doing that for almost 30 years. That's amazing. Not every church has an opportunity to do that, but this church has a relationship with that, that home. Our church has a relationship with a, a rehabilitation center that is in a private residence about two blocks from here. And we have two men from that church. We're the church, that's the home, all right? They come from that home to church. Miss April's looking at me like, no. You, she's tired and she's like, no, pastor, you gotta stop. So, um, so they, they come here. They've been coming here. One of them has been coming here for eight years. The other has been coming for about five. One of them got saved years ago. They both have, um, have had traumatic injuries in their life that have brought them to the place where they are now. I'm trying to be careful how I say this because I, I wanna be very careful in, in being respectful to them. Uh, but can I tell you, they live in this group home situation. They come here every Sunday morning and we just love them. And you know what's neat? We get to minister to their caretakers now too. Um, you know, one of them made this uh, great egg casserole for Easter. That was a blessing. Uh, you know, they, just because we, we loved on them, uh, they come in, people make them coffee, people bring them food. They have their own table back there. I'm pretty sure we're going to get them Barca loungers soon, uh, lazy boys, and they're just going to be back there. I mean, they would, they would love that, honestly. But you know what? There's not a Sunday that goes by, and there are times that one of them, I'll, I'll, I'll ask for someone to say amen because, you know, no one's really saying anything, and the one will go, amen, like that. And sometimes you'll amen at really awkward times, like, you know, when you probably nobody should say amen. And, you know, it's like, uh, amen. It's like, thank you, brother. I, you know, but you know what? He's in church. Praise the Lord. And sometimes we just miss because, well, I want to have this perfect church service experience. Ah, forget that. We want people here that love the Lord and we want to minister to them and love on them. And sometimes they're going to come from a group home situation like that. That's a blessing if you could have a ministry with a home in your area. It, it, it kind of organically happens. You usually don't, you're not able to orchestrate that yourself. The Lord does. But that's, there are some people who are in that group home situation. Some live with family. Some live with family. Number two, some live semi-independently. They may be able to live on their own, but they're in a situation where someone comes to check on them several times a week. That's a possibility. And some live independently, quite honestly. And we've dealt with all of these situations here at Liberty Baptist Church over the years. Uh, they come from all of these situations. Someone uh, who is living with a special need of some sort, it, they don't have to be in one of those subsections and then nothing else. It could be any of those. Letter C, most often these people will not have a special class or ministry that helps with their needs. You see the difference with children? In children, we do all of these things to help them. With adults, what do we do? We don't do any of those things. I'm not up here with a visual schedule during church and saying, all right, it's hymn time, let's sing now. You know, that'd kind of be fun now that I think about it, but we don't do that. But you know what we do? We're still going to be able to try to pour into them, to minister to them. And I'll be honest with you, there are things that you don't think they're listening to, they're listening to. I had someone, uh, Miss April,
very first time coming to the church, um, I had somebody Sam say to me, um, when you come next time, if you need help in the parking lot, like, just the things. And so you do have a ministry to adults and special needs. Oh, that's a blessing so, to hear. Because I didn't know any of that. So that's good. Well, that's good. Right. Trying to foster that. So. Yeah, and, and, and the thing is, is that, again, physical, these are all real things. And there are times, Miss April, I mean, not to embarrass her, but I'm, there are times I know just on Sunday morning, she's probably thinking, I'd rather stay home. She works very long hours. She has some very difficult things that she deals with in her life. Um, but I hope that we have been encouraging enough to her that she feels that, wow, this is going to be a really hard day, but I know I'll feel better if I get to church. And that... That's what we want to look for. That's what we want to do here so that's, that, that it's not because of my disability, I can't go to church. It's because of my disability, I know I'm going to be so loved and encouraged. I need to get to church as long as I physically can do so. As long as you don't burn yourself or anything like that. Uh, we, so that was uh, <laughs> it's a hard, hard times, but, uh, you know, we understand those things. And, uh, and so uh, rather, uh, number one, ministering to this group of people. I got to go quick. I got uh, five, five minutes to do this whole page. All right. Ministering to this group of people requires creating a community of compassion within the church. And that's, look, just love people. Be compassionate. And that solves a lot of these problems. Well, I don't really know. I mean, I don't know what their special needs are and I don't know what to do. Do you know how to love people? Do you want to be compassionate? That'll, that'll solve a lot of it right there. Uh, Jude 22, and some having compassion, making a difference. Finding opportunities for these people to serve and feel valued is a key. Find something for them to do, even if it's small. Find a job for them or jobs for them to do to be able to make them feel as if they are part of the church because it's not as if they are part of the church. They are part of the church. So find something for them to do, even if it is something very small, seemingly minuscule to you, it may be a big deal to them and let them know you trust them with that job. We have a, a, a couple who come here and I don't know all the situation, don't need to know all the situation, but I know this, um, they come and uh, if I give them the smallest job to do, they're gonna do it. And it just makes me so very blessed when they do so and to see the smile on their face when I say, thank you for doing that. And it's not me faking it, being thankful. I'm thankful that they're willing to do it. It's awesome. Uh, letter E, one-on-one discipleship, taking small doses also a benefit in many cases. There are special needs adults that maybe would not do well in a discipleship class, but you might be able to meet with them one-on-one. -on -one. And they might not be able to go through your discipleship curriculum. Uh, we have someone right now who is in a discipleship class with us, and, and he basically said this, um, I, I can't do this right now. I'm not at the place where I can do this. And I understood that. You know, we're, we're working on with him right now, just kind of here and there, here, here a little, there a little, just wherever we can. And it blessed my heart when he came to me a couple weeks ago, a week after I preached on Psalm 127 about the family. And uh, he said to me, uh, he said to me, Pastor, I read Palms 127. Now, first of all, you know, Palms, I didn't know what he's talking about. And I preached on it a week before. I have trouble remembering what I ate for breakfast yesterday let alone what I preached the week before. But I remember, you know what he was telling me? I read what you preached on last week. You know, Psalm 127 is six verses. He read the Bible for himself. And that, that, was, that was like, I might as well have just gone home because I mean, like, I'm not gonna get any more blessed than that. Now, probably people probably wished I'd gone home, but I, went, I didn't go home. I mean, I just, it was the idea, man, that's, this day's not gonna get any better than that, to know that that's what happened, amazing. Also, letter F, assure your building is ADA accessible. This is not something everyone can do in every way. 
the state of Massachusetts, it's very hard, depending on the age of your building, to be able to be ADA accessible because, well, older church buildings are exempt. I'm In one way, I'm, as much as this building is not everything we would like it to be, because it is a rental building, it is completely ADA accessible in every way. I'm so thankful that we have no problem with wheelchairs coming in. We have no problem with uh, the restrooms, anything like that. You say, is the ADA really important? Do churches have to follow it? And the answer is no, churches don't have to follow it. They're completely exempt federally. But you will never know the indignity of trying to go to a bathroom somewhere and realizing your wheelchair doesn't fit in any stall. I can't even realize that, but I've talked to people in that situation. When you realize, you know what? This isn't a federal intrusion. It's actually really important. And by the way, in Massachusetts, although we are exempt from the ADA, we are not exempt from the AAB, which is the Architectural Access Board, which goes along with the ADA. And there are certain things about disabilities that we have to do as a church because we're in the state of Massachusetts. And again, I've not found any of them to be intrusive. They're things like, how many handicapped spots do you have in your parking lot? Right now, we only have one. Legally, we only need one. I think we probably need to do another one. We're going to get the, the parking lot restriped, and I'm going to push to make sure we get two of them. But depending on the size of your parking lot, there are laws that govern how many handicapped spots you have to have. There's also laws in the state of Massachusetts that govern how the handicapped spot is marked, that it has to have a sign. It has to be printed on the ground. It has to be a certain width. It also has to have space on either side. You know why? If someone has a van and they drive themselves uh, and they're disabled and they have to lower themselves from their van, which we have a man who's come here before that was in that situation. You say, well, it's not that big of a deal. I mean, is it really? Is it? Well, some of them are financially difficult and maybe they can't be done right away. That's understandable. but to do some of the common sense issues. For, for instance, you know, in our bathroom, we make sure we keep nothing under the sink. You know why? Because when one of the guys for, uh, the, uh, with the wheelchair goes to the bathroom, I wanna make sure that he doesn't have to kick the trash can out of the way from under the sink so he can go to the bathroom. That, that's a small thing, but it's, it's giving someone dignity. It's making sure they can use the restroom. There's a grab bar so someone can help themselves up. If we're able-bodied, we don't think about that. But if, you are not, you think about it every second of every day. And so we want to create compassion in doing those things. All right, <laughs> uh, two minutes. All right, number three. All right, we may go a few minutes over, but that not too much because I do want to honor your time. Number three, ministering to senior saints with special needs. I, I really want to learn more about this myself. And as I mentioned last night, uh, if anyone knows Ron Hamilton, Patch the Pirate, and you watched him deal with uh, dementia for many years and a man who was one of the best singers and songwriters that I've ever heard. I wish I had the opportunity to have met him, but to see him diminish over about five years and to watch his wife be not his sole caregiver, other caregivers were also involved, but she was very open on online on Facebook about the struggle of dealing with someone with dementia almost every day. And I'll be honest with you, I'm so glad that she did that because she brought so much visibility yes. to our circles on helping. Dementia is a special need. It's not autism, it's not uh, you know ADHD, it's a special need. Dementia, Alzheimer's, and I've given you the definition of Alzheimer's and dementia from the Mayo Clinic because there is a difference. Letter A, senior saints often deal with worsening physical challenges that require both compassion and patience. There are some that are gonna come in with walkers, with wheelchairs, they're gonna have a hard time coming in, they're gonna have a hard time coming out, even more so than others. Have time and patience and compassion for those people. Um, as an example, at our church, when we take the Lord's Supper, and I'm not going to get into the theological positions of this, but we do it as a church family. 
And that's uh, my position on that, that we take it just together as a church. And there are others who believe different things, and, and, and I understand that, and I have no qualms or quarrels with, with anyone of that nature. But that's just what we do as a church family. And we have a lady who had her mother coming with her at church, dementia, end-of-life situation, late 80s, I believe she was at the time. Was she in her 90s? She was sitting in church, and we have the Lord's Supper after typically a Sunday night service. In fact, we have it coming up in a few weeks. In fact, remind me, I'm going to tell you the date. So, because uh, so, we were talking about that a few weeks ago. So, she was sitting in church, and Marsha, this is the lady who's at our church, her mom, she says, does my mom need to sit in the car? Look, I have my theology on that, but am I going to make a 90-year-old woman sit in the car by herself so that we can have the Lord's Supper as a family? I said, I said no. I mean, it's like the middle of winter. She said, sit by herself. There's like a thousand reasons why that's not a good idea. Sit, sit in church. Well, we're getting ready to start. We hadn't started yet. We're getting ready to start, and her mom's getting agitated. And her mom's getting agitated because Marsha told her she's not getting juice and she's not getting crackers. And I'm not trying to be weird to how I say that, but that's how she's looking at it. Like everyone else in this room is getting juice and crackers but me. And so, again, I have my theology, but at the same time, and I'm not saying to put that to the side, but could we maybe accomplish two things at the same time? And so I went over to her, I said, I, said, I, I called her by name, I said, um, you know, um, there's a bunch of people in here who have a little cup of juice. I said, you don't want a little cup of juice, do you? And I got one of those red silo cups in the back, and I poured basically the rest of the, the juice in there. And I, I, said, I said, would you like this? We hadn't even started yet. And she, you could see she went from being agitated to go, oh. And I said, you don't want one of those little pieces of crackers. I mean, we'll give you like that much. I said, I mean, would you like a couple crackers? Oh, oh, yeah, I would. And she went from being the most upset person in the room to being the happiest person in the church. Because all these other people, they've got these little thimblefuls of juice and these little pieces of crackers. You know what we're trying to do? We're trying to be a blessing to her. Well, you know, you say, well, well how, do you think, how do you think the Lord felt about that? I, I'm of the I'm opinion, that, that, and I'm of this opinion because I did it, um, so I must be of this opinion, that the Lord understands, that we're not trying to, to do something with the Lord's table or change our theology. It's just, here's a woman that doesn't quite understand what's going on. I don't want her to be upset. I, I don't want there to be a problem. I just want to help her. And before I pat myself too much on the back for how clever I am, I've had a lot of people in my life that taught me these kind of things over the years that I was able to absorb some of this even before we had AJ just that common compassion decency to certain people in church where you want to treat them that way uh, jump down to number two in many ways these individuals will refer revert to a more childlike state singing songs or reading scripture to these folks is important even if you believe they can't understand what you're doing ministering to adults senior saints with Alzheimer's dementia um, it's amazing. Psalm 23 is beloved by, it seems like, and recited by kids under eight years old and above 80 years old. Yeah. Like the, the young kids say, the Lord is my shepherd. And if you ask someone that maybe is on their deathbed, what scripture would you like? What do they say? Psalm 23. Not every time, but a lot of times. Read scripture with them. Sing songs with them. It's the same idea. You know, hey, you know, with the little kids, you sing songs. And with those, sing songs with them. Ron Hamilton, who couldn't barely remember his own name, at times that I, you would watch his wife sing a song to him and the words would come back to a song that he wrote about the Lord. Uh, moving, absolutely moving. Take time to do that. You say, well, how much of this are they taking in? Well, it's the same as with children with special needs. Who knows and who cares? I don't know if he was absorbing any of it, but you know what? Is he harmed by me reading him the Bible? 
Is he harmed by me singing scripture songs to him? No. And, and listen, dementia is a very difficult thing. I had a pastor friend of mine um, that was in his uh, late 70s. He was a pastor in New Hampshire and Massachusetts who passed away. His wife was left behind. As many times happens, I've seen that there's an able-bodied spouse who dies first before the one with Alzheimer's. In many ways, their body burns out trying to care for that other one. And this is what happened with uh, Les Ainsworth and his wife Nellie was still alive. Every day, Nellie would ask, where's Les? Where's Les? And you know what the family would end up doing? You say, this is lying. I don't believe that it is. They'd say, oh, uh, is it Les is sleeping. Les is sleeping. Do, do, we, do we need to tell him every day? Do we have to have our experience every day that our husband passed away? That would be brutal. You know what? He's, um, he's asleep, but we know the Lord's going to call him home in the sense that that trump is going to sound, the dead in Christ are going to rise first. Do you see what I'm saying? We, we need to find ways to minister to these people without being liars, without changing our theology, but just saying, I can have some human compassion here and try to help them. And especially letter uh, number three, caregiver burnout is very real concern for this subset. Finding ways to minister to the spouse, the family of those senior saints is vital. I've watched people who have been in that situation, their spouse passes away, and not only are they, they, they grieve twice over. Yeah. And this is what I mean by that. They grieve once because that spouse is gone, and they grieve a second time with guilt because in some ways, they're not sad that they're gone because they realize how much they suffered and it's almost like there's a relief, but then that relief also makes them feel guilty and grieve further. And I've had to counsel, Diana counseled with, in this church with those who have said, I should, be, I should be more upset and I feel so guilty that I'm not, but you know, your, you know your spouse or you know your mom or your dad is with the Lord and you saw how much they suffered. And so we don't realize how much those caregivers truly suffer and oftentimes just bear it and say nothing. So minister to those people, help them. The key to ministering, this is it right here. The key to ministering to individuals with special needs isn't about having the best programs, the most knowledgeable workers, or the most up-to-date equipment. I want this to be an encouragement to you. And this really sums up the last two days. Well, we gotta have the best workers. We have to have the most equipment. We have to have all these things. Nope. There will always be better secular programs out there. Listen, there are colleges, there are universities, there are hospital systems, there are government programs that are gonna be better equipped than anything we can offer here at this church. Uh, they have cutting-edge technology, government grants. They'll have a team of board-certified experts. You don't have that, and neither do we. Yet we have something far greater than any of these programs could ever offer, and that's this, Jesus Christ. You realize the hospital systems are not going to, unless a believing chaplain comes through, they're not going to really be able to offer Jesus Christ, at least not formally. They're not. Uh, the university systems are not going to. These are not going to, unless you have an individual believer. And we, we know believers, we have believers in our church that are in those ministries. And, and honestly, whether they're, uh, you know, nurses, uh, techs, teachers, administrators in those areas, they're in many ways like missionaries going in places and, and doing those things. But as a system, an overarching system, their goal is not to proclaim Jesus Christ. Their goal is to, to fulfill their medical duties or their educational duties or whatever. So we don't have any of those things, but guess what we have? We have Jesus. So we're in good shape. 
you know, we can't offer, you know, we can't give an iPad to every kid. We can't give a Chromebook to every kid that comes in here like Easton Public School can. But you know what we can give them? We can give them Jesus. You say, well, I mean, I mean that just sounds kind of hokey. No, no, that's everything. That's everything. You know, that kid will have a Chromebook and in two weeks they'll break it. <laughs> you know, that, that kid, uh, that, that uh, funding with that government grant could come and go next year. Uh, those programs that are so great can sometimes be shuttered because of something. But here's what will never change, Jesus Christ. So what do we do? Three things. Exalt him. If I be lifted up from the earth, draw all men unto me. Extend his love to everybody. And 1 Corinthians 13, though I have the gift of prophecy, understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, so I can remove mountains, and have not charity, I am nothing. Not I am a little bit, I am nothing. Without the love of Jesus Christ, what we have to offer has been voided. And that's hard for us to swallow sometimes, but that's not, that's not Adam Rivero theology. That's by the inspiration of God. And then finally, exhibit his compassion and... Uh, Matthew 9, 36, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion of them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Do you realize that Jesus was compassionate towards the very people, many of them, who not long after this verse was written would say, crucify him, crucify him. And he extended compassion towards them. Who are we to not extend compassion to everyone who is around us with the love of Christ? I mean, that's what it's all about. So it's a lot to unpack, we've given you a lot to consider and think about, and I hope we've been a help to you over the last couple of days, and we've certainly been glad to have you here and have those who are joining us uh, online the last couple of days. We are so very blessed that you would take time to come to us to be able to learn some of these things. So let's close in a word of prayer, and then uh, thank, you for, uh, thank you for being here. It's, it's been a, a real, real joy. Heavenly Father, we do thank you for this time and just thank you for the uh, opportunity we've had to fellowship with these dear folks and for their heart in ministering to children and adults with special needs. I pray there will be some things that just encourage them tomorrow and in the weeks to come to be able to do more for this ministry and help them to know that your Holy Spirit will empower them as they go about the task. Give them safety as they go home with the weather and I pray that we would uh, not just be able to rejoice um, over the next few weeks at uh, what you've done, but that maybe even next year at the next FIT conference, our third annual FIT conference next year, that we'd be able to have more success stories of what you have done. And we ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen.